Welcome to the Resilient Leader Podcast, brought to you by Firestarter Business Solutions, igniting and sustaining your business growth. In this brand new podcast series, we are finding out what makes modern business leaders tick, and in particular, how they cope with the ups and downs that are an inevitable part of being a boss. During these podcasts, we're going to be meeting lots of different business leaders to find out from them their strategies for business survival in an uncertain world, particularly during the current pandemic crisis, and hopefully pick up a few tips as we go. My name is Dave Harris, and today I am very pleased to be joined by Ian Nicholson, the director of Project Embed Limited. Ian describes himself as a project management interim who has worked for a large range of organisations helping them deliver technology-based change. Amongst the organisations that Ian has helped are Jaguar Land Rover, the Institute of Cancer Research and Rolls-Royce. He's currently working at the National Outdoor Centre Placer Brenin in North Wales, designing and implementing a plan for reopening the centre following lockdown. So, Ian, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. I wonder, I, I mean, I described a little bit about what you did then, but for those who aren't familiar with the concept of an interim, perhaps you could you could tell us a little bit about what that involves and what your sort of, you know, what your career path was to, to doing that. So, really, uh, an interim is expected to go into an organisation and and be able to pick up the pick up the, the reins of, of a particular department or function uh, pretty quickly. Typically, an organisation will have a problem of some description. Either they, they've lost somebody at short notice um, or they've got to a point where they realise a project is, is in real difficulty and perhaps needs relaunching. Uh, and so what they, they look for is somebody with the, the experience, but also the ability to be able to interact with key stakeholders and to be able to assess what the particular underlying issues are and come up with a change uh, change activity, a way of delivering a solution for them. Uh, and that can vary from, you know, as I say, a large software implementation that for whatever reason is stalled is going on for a while. Um, it could be around, as you say, that the particular scenario at Plassey Brennan is around reopening or restructuring the organisation and, and getting them prepared to reopen and actually implementing that reopening plan. So it's, it's all about trying to stand back to a degree and understand what the challenges are. It, it does sound like a fascinating uh, world that you're in. And obviously, you know, you're going to have multiple challenges by definition as you move through different organisations. But before I talk a little bit more about that and about some of those challenges, um, I wonder whether we could get you to talk about your view of resilience in a leader and, and, and how important you think it is that, that you and people like you have resilience I think it's it's really important. It is it's one of those topics that perhaps uh, you know five years ago, ten years ago, uh, managers and leaders wouldn't necessarily be be calling resilience out as a particular term or, or an, an aspect of what it is they do. Um, but I think that you know the way things are at the moment, and, and particularly I suppose given COVID, then the issue of resilience, the issue of being able to to cope and manage varying situations, varying scenarios. Is, is kind of becoming an increasingly important factor of what we do. And, and I suppose, you know, from my side of things, it applies to, to business life, uh, but actually to, to, you know, your kind of your social life as well. The two definitely overlap. And so trying to understand manage resilience in one area, it, uh, there's definitely a, a benefit in, in managing other areas as well. 
Now you referred to the the, the current pandemic crisis then, and of, of course that's you know that's the front of all our minds because it's it's impossible to ignore. It's affecting everything, isn't it? But uh, do you think? I mean, and clearly resilience is important now. But do you think resilience is important in normal times as well? If I can use the term normal, just to be a leader, uh, you know, there are ups and downs, presumably. I think so. As you say, um, the current uh, crisis, uh, everybody's talking about it. Everybody has a common theme, but actually. The, the issue of dealing with pressure, dealing with changing circumstances, uh, issues arising, uh, business as usual type activities, being overwhelmed with things is that's all part of that's part of life. That's part of work. And I just think at the moment there's, there's that additional focus and that the means there's. Yeah, we're talking about it, whereas perhaps, you know, six months ago, we wouldn't have done. Now, I'm very interested to ask you uh, about your specific role as well, because it occurs to me, by definition almost, you're going to be brought into organisations, as I think you alluded to earlier, when things are going wrong, when things, you know, when the, when when the organisation is at a low point. So almost by definition, you know, you've got to have that, you've got to be resilient right from the start. And then hopefully, with your skills and experience, you can help guide the organisation to greener pastures. Uh, is that fair? I mean, is it, you know, are you are you faced with that resilience challenge right at the beginning of, of a new job? Absolutely. Uh, I, and I think, I suppose the, the, the difference is, you know that it's, there's that challenge right from the outset. So it hasn't kind of crept up on you if you're in a, you know, conventional, you know, normal role. Um, and, and so it is different. Um, it has some advantages. So I have to be resilient, uh, you know, about, you know, the specifics of the, of the particular situation, but I haven't got to be as resilient worrying about my, my appraisal or my staff development, you know, long term. So, so it is some, in some ways, it, it is an advantage just to be able to looking at the, the short and medium term and trying to set the business up for success going forwards, rather than worrying about the whole future. There's a definite, uh, you know, as you say, there's an expectation that what an interim is resilient anyway. And again, I think we're equipped with certain ways, certain behaviours. Um, one of the advantages I feel as, as an interim is that you can ask the dull question. You haven't got to, you're not expected to understand everything from the outset. So you can go on with that, go in with that challenging, inquisitive style, which in some uh, you know, normal roles would be more difficult to, to kind of manage. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Um, I wonder whether you could perhaps give me some examples of how you personally maintain that resilience, you know, and how you, whether you have habits or rituals or, or, or routines, uh, things that you do, which help you stay on an even keel and, and keep that resilience going through tough times. I think it's one of those topics, Dave, that, that I, you know, as I say, a little while ago, I wouldn't really have thought about it. I just I have certain ways of doing things and I go about it. I think because we're all thinking about that a little bit more, I am kind of trying to classify and look at what I do. Um, so I do try to have a, a break from from work. So, you know, make a point. Um, and again, as an interim, it's, it's kind of and, and as an operational role as well, it's difficult to switch the phone off, to switch the uh, the email off, but trying to have a discipline where unless it's urgent, then you don't react to emails and, and phone calls kind of out of hours and that you make that behavior clear to people, that you have an agreed way of working with people. So it is to say that if there is something really urgent, you need to know and, and you, you have permission to contact me. But you know, if there's something about somebody's holiday arrangements, we can talk about that tomorrow. There are things that can wait. So, so I think that that separation is important. 
I think, again, hopping back to uh, COVID, working remotely, working at home is is challenging. I think you have to, and, and I kind of got myself set up in a, in a separate room, separate office, um, where I've got as much equipment and everything that I need to be able to do the job properly. I think, you know, that's one of the, the key, you know, important things um, if you are working anywhere, actually working in, in an office, is having the right equipment and technology or whatever it is you need to do your job. So you're not having to shuffle around doing things. And I suppose there's the other thing is the physical side of things. So the going and doing something physical during the day, not sitting at a, at a, a desk, whether it's at home or in the office all day, walk the talk. I mean, again, part of what I do as an interim is try to work with the business and understand how they operate. And that's all about going out and meeting people. So at the moment, that's a challenge. And, and so, but there are ways around that. But physically walking around buildings, being seen, being available, I think is really important. But that physical side of things extends to, you know, walking, you know, outside of work uh, or taking exercise out of work, going to the gym, trying to do something that just gets that you know, that break from, from work. You've kind of answered my next question already, uh, so I'm going to change it slightly because I was going to ask you, you know, what have been the most challenging aspects of the current crisis for you? And you've already talked about working from home and all that sort of thing. But just developing that theme a bit, I would have thought that one of the things about being an interim is that, you know, you kind of need to meet your team. You know, you need to get in amongst it and, and, and sort of gain their trust, you know, and, and, and hopefully gain their sort of uh, acceptance of you as, as their manager, even if it's on a temporary basis. And I wonder that that must have been challenging uh, through this crisis, you know, not being able to some of the time, at least being be there with those people. And even if you were there, they may have been elsewhere. They may have been working from home. So how have you dealt with that sort of thing? I think part of it is is around technology and being able to use the technology. You know, the, the fact that we're, you know, we're doing uh, you know, a squadcast or whatever it is at the moment, using people using Teams or Zoom, we've all learned very rapidly how to take those technologies on board and use them almost as kind of as, as practice. I mean, we still get the can you hear me? Can you see the presentation type comment whenever you get into a Zoom call? But we're much more we're slicker about things than we than we used to be. And it's become the norm. I think that face to face side of things, you know, there, there are degrees. So voices at one level, uh, video interaction with somebody is is much better. Uh, but actually physically meeting them from time to time is is kind of the best way to do things. But I think you can do an awful lot. I think the, the kind of the demarcation between those last two factors is now getting closer. You know, that there's there's less, there's still a benefit in the water cooler type conversation. And that is something that you miss with, with, uh, with Teams calls. Um, but I think if you have working practices and disciplines whereby you're available, that you make time. So one, people can disturb you or can chat to you um, as and when, when a particular issue crumbs, crops up. So they, they, it isn't all about going from one meeting to another, but it's also reaching out the other way and making sure you have a conversation with your team leads on a regular basis so that, you know, that you've got that established uh, way of working rather than effectively just being hidden in an office somewhere. That interaction is key. And would you say uh, the last six months has taught you anything? I mean, have you changed your mind about any aspect of the way you work or your business philosophy as a result of of, uh, the lockdown and and the other things that have come from that? 
I don't think it's changed things uh, significantly, not in terms of business philosophy. I think, you know, the, the things we've talked about, the, the trying to have that demarcation between work and recreational is, has always been there. That's always been important. I think it has doing much more remote working and remote management has made me perhaps change the way I do things slightly. But fundamentally, I, I don't think it's changed things. You know, it, it's kind of refining rather than there's there's not really been a, a light bulb moment where I've done something different to, to that that I was doing before. So I think one of the things that um, that leaders often try and do is is to have a have a positive influence over their staff, over their people, you know, and try and imbue them with some of their their enthusiasm, if you like, some of their philosophy. And uh, and I think good leaders do succeed in doing that, and often that's that's a very sort of transformational thing. As an interim, I'd have thought that is even more challenging again because of the fact that you're, you know, you're kind of parachuted into an organisation that may be in crisis, and you have to work quickly to gain that trust. And do you feel that part of your job is to imbue a more positive approach to the to the people you're working with? You know, who who are who become your team uh, for how for whatever period you're working there? Very much so. So as you, you know, so as we kind of discussed earlier on, a lot of the roles or a lot of the reasons that people get interims in the first place is because they've got a problem. And so you you are you're going in and the problem may be around delivery of, of software, it may be around uh, staff, it may be around you know, business processes. There could be lots of underlying reasons, but usually there's something there that's a problem. Um, and so it's it is very much about getting that that engagement and building that trust. Um, and I think in some ways, being open to give them guidance and, and not necessarily mentoring, but at least give guidance about what will help them in the longer term, I think, or shorter and long term, is is a key part of what I do. It's trying to understand what people are, where they're coming from, and where the where they're kind of the the, the pinch points are. Do you have the advantage as an outsider around you know politics and and whatever the office politics are, and and you can ask and you can try to tease those things out. Whereas talking about office politics, if you're actually in a role, is is more difficult. Yeah. So there are definitely advantages. So you know, as you going back to your question. Um, I, yes, I do try to have a positive influence. You know, I, I, I kind of pride myself on the fact that when I leave somewhere, the staff as well as the, the business, it's kind of the underlying objective is, yeah, they, 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 I've made a difference and the, the staff will have remembered the time I was with them for the right reasons. You mentioned earlier that you felt that the sort of your approach to business, resilience and, and, and your philosophy wasn't just in your business life it, it spilled over inevitably into your personal life as well and your approach to that so i wonder if you could tell me a little bit about that and maybe give me an example of that uh, you know in, in what way would you say it affects your your social life your interaction with friends and things like that because because clearly they are you know they are different you know the way we deal with friends and the way we deal with colleagues you know is not quite the same i suppose an interesting point i, I think in our social life trying to have space, time to do certain things, uh, trying to plan things, um, making, if you like me or us time. So, you know, my, my, my kids have, have kind of all left home, but we, we definitely, you know, we, we, and again, particularly perhaps during this uh, pandemic, um, we catch up on a, on a regular basis, but we have a family chat once a week. 
you know, there are certain things that, that you can work out to, to help that resilience, I think, in, in terms of coping with life generally. I, I suppose your resilience in a workplace is something that is, is perhaps easier to put labels on and manage, but doing some of that you know, socially. So you know, there is an overlap between the two. So in terms of exercise, you know, going out and going to the gym is it's not part of what I do for work. It's, it's kind of part of my, my social out of work activity, but it, it supports both. You know, it, it clears your mind uh, just having that, that routine to, to do something different. I know you've um, taken part in one or two of the Firestarter forums, and I wonder what your view is on that sort of thing, particularly in recent times where, where our contact with, uh, with people face-to-face has been limited. I mean, do you think, that, do you think such forums are, are a useful part of a coping mechanism? I think they are. I think it's, it's useful from both fronts, from, from a coping mechanism in, in terms of resilience or whatever else, but just in terms of networking and, and learning from others. So, you know, I'm a big believer in whatever age you are, there's always something new to learn. What I like about going in as an interim, there's always something, yeah, I can go to an organisation and a lot of the issues they face, I've faced before, but there's a lot that I learn from each and every organisation I go to, go to and I I'll pick that up and I'll use that next time. People talk about networking groups and so on, and and the emphasis in the past has always been on, at least in my experience, has been on breakfast groups and and that type of thing, physically getting together. And and perhaps that physical side of things is, as we were saying before, you get a better interaction by doing that, but it's much more time demanding, getting to those things, then getting back to the office or whatever else. Um, the Firestarter sessions that I've been involved with so far, you know, uh, by definition, they are they're online sessions, um, and and just having a group of not necessarily like-minded people, people from a range of of, of businesses, I think is really important. Um, I'm an engineer by training, and and as an engineer, there's a right way of doing things. Or we have a perception, or I had when I was a lad, a perception as to how things should. Should, do, should work and how business should work. Getting involved in best practice groups, getting involved in MBA type activities, you start to learn that there are lots of different viewpoints and aspects on, on the same things. And, and that, that's important. That openness, I think, is important. That listening to others' experience is important. Um, so getting a load of project managed together, yeah, that's, that's good and, and interesting, but I think it's much more valuable for a broader leadership type activity to get that wider range of people together that, that involve marketeers and communications people and legal and whatever, because they, they just bring other viewpoints that you haven't necessarily thought about. I wanted to ask you finally about uh, about the future and get you to uh, gaze into the crystal ball a little bit oh, from, oh, from two points of view. One, one from your own point of view and the, the sort of work that you do and, and whether you can sort of you know, see how things might develop in terms of the types of roles you're going to have and and how you can personally market yourself to, to fit into that. But also in terms of, you know, working within a specific business, I mean, obviously you're, you're currently working at, as as we said, in the, uh, the National Outdoor Centre, as you said, you're trying to reopen them or work out a strategy for reopening in a very, very uncertain climate and uh, you know we know there are still lockdowns happening locally and that sort of thing and that seems likely to continue for some time so how, how do you approach that how, you know the fact that it that it's difficult to see what's around the corner because there's so much uncertainty that does that make your job a lot harder does that make 
being an interim, being a leader, does it make it does it make it that much more difficult? I think it's it's an inevitable inevitable part of, of being an interim. Um, so I mean, with a specific uh, with Plassey Brennan, yeah, we we've gone through the process. We we're now open. Um, so you know, from that side of things, we we've, we've we've delivered that first aspect of what I was brought in to do. And I'm now you know because I, I've been there a little while. I'm picking up other aspects. So you know, looking after the facilities management side of things because they've they've lost their their facilities manager or the facilities manager has retired. I think it's always a challenge with interim type work in that you're so ingrained and embedded with what you're doing at a particular point in time or, or you should be that actually uh, marketing yourself and looking for the next role is always is always difficult um you know I've, I've been fortunate in a number of cases where one one assignment has moved on or rolled on effectively into into another one there aren't necessarily massive gaps between what i do but that is you know that's the nature of the business that i'm in is that it will come to an end you know at some point um, and whether it's uh, it's often, you know, I've been in a position where I've actually, you know, turned around to the client and said, we need to finish at some point. You know, we need to to wrap this particular thing up because I'm getting sucked into business as usual stuff and you need to manage that yourselves. So so there is, you know, that's part of what an interim is. It's to, it's to solve a particular problem. I think from the point of view of what is it I do? I, I mean, at the moment, going into the National Outdoor Centre and, and doing a COVID recovery plan, I haven't done that before, and actually, not many people had. Yeah, so so there are that's that's the nature of of an interim. It's you go in and you just take a systematic approach to a particular problem, and and, and that has been true. So, am I uh, a specialist in HR systems? No, I've used it. I've implemented HR systems. The last role I was involved with was, was looking at occupational health service. Did I know anything about occupational health services before? Not until I went to Jaguar. So you know, it's it's the nature of what an interim does is that there are some roles that are very specific, but the work I'm doing, kind of project and program management, is is more open. Um, and and I think what this is teaching me at the moment is that um, organisations, particularly at the moment, have problems to solve and will use a short term resource to do that. So there's almost you know I can almost talking up. The opportunities that will crop up, you know, because people are having to kind of downsize, um, they're having to get rid of some of their their existing stuff, but they're still having to operate in some way, and so they they need something just to plug that gap whilst they they transition into those new ways of uh, new ways of working their their restructured business or whatever. And it occurs to me that in the same way as a as perhaps a freelancer, you know, might find themselves uh, in, in, with a bit of downtime, you know, between jobs, um, that that could happen to you, and, and, and I dare say has over the years, once or twice. Clearly there, you need personal resilience, don't you? So it's not just resilience within an organisation, it's resilience when you're between organisations as well, for you to kind of believe in yourself and say, yeah, the next job's just around the corner and, and, and that sort of thing. And presumably that's pretty important too. It is, and, and I think, you know, again, in the past, um, you know, some of the functions I've done, so at the Institute of Cancer Research, it was really working with an IT function and working with contractors and, and whatever else within IT functions. And, and people get very kind of excited about the, oh, I could be a contractor, um, it's, it's lucrative and all the rest of it, but it's a different way of working. And so, as you say, you have to have that resilience that, that okay, you may be able to hop from one job or one role to another, but in in the majority of cases, there's there's a gap of some description. 
you know, you may be fortunate. And, and the, the challenge with an interim is usually somebody doesn't come to you and say, I've got an interim role I want you to do in three months time. They've got an interim role because they've got a problem that they need solving on Monday. So that, that's, that's the nature of the business. So trying to plan ahead is, is a challenge. And as you, you, you're right, Dave, it is about having that resilience. Being an interim isn't for everybody. Being a contractor isn't for everybody. Ian, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been fascinating to hear your view of resilience because obviously you have a very different, a different role to a lot of uh, business owners and leaders, but, uh, but very, very interesting. You've been listening to the Resilient Leader podcast with my expert guest, Ian Nicholson, who's been sharing some of his leadership resilience approaches with us. If you've enjoyed the podcast and found Ian's insight useful, then why not join us on one of the Firestarter forums that we were talking about just now. They're held online on the second Thursday of every month and they're completely free of charge. All you have to do is register on the Firestarter website at www.firestartersolutions.co.uk. We look forward to you joining us for our next podcast episode, but in the meantime, please subscribe and keep listening.